Welcome in to the At The Yard Podcast. We've got a special guest for you today. Long Beach State Dirtbags Recruiting Coordinator Danny Costanza joins us to talk about his playing days, his transition to coaching, and all things Dirtbags Baseball. All that and much more on episode 39 of the At The Yard Podcast. Welcome back to the At The Art Podcast, quarantine style. Today we got a special guest joining me today. It's Danny Costanza from Long Beach State, assistant coach. Danny, I really, really appreciate you taking some time to chat with me today about uh, all things Long Beach State, a little bit about your career. How are you doing, man? How are you holding up in this quarantine? I'm doing well. You know, I'm, I'm like everyone else. I'm trying to find ways not to have my wife get mad at me while we're here. Um, you know, it's difficult with the coaching thing because – Coaches like to get their hands dirty out at the field, working with players, you know, doing all those things. So to be cooped up inside is pretty much the opposite of what I stand for in life. So um, it's been tough, but like everyone else, we're, we're getting through it, trying to stay safe, trying to trying to do our part as best we can. And, and you know, for us, it's become a lot of um, communicating with our players. It's become a lot of utilizing social media um, and, and any avenue that we have to, to better our program. And um, Ultimately, I'd like to thank you for this opportunity to, to speak with you and, and talk about Long Beach State and talk about my career path. And, you know, I hope for the people that end up listening to this, both of them, um, that there's some things that they can, can take away from it. And uh, especially for those coaches who don't necessarily have an elaborate professional career or Division One background, uh, you know, I, I think that there may be some, some things in there that some people can take away. So I'd like to, you know, thank you very much for having me. Obviously, the work that you guys do, um, PBR as a whole and you know especially the guys at PBR California that I know uh, do an absolutely outstanding job of um, you know bridging the gap between coaches and players you know understanding all the players that you know as much you guys call it boots on the ground right as, as many players as you get out there and see you know sometimes it's unbelievable to me that you guys see more players than I do sometimes and so truly are a great resource for myself and, and for us and our program and um, I, you know, I can't thank you enough for what you do and for giving me this platform to speak to people with. Yeah, absolutely, Dan. And I, and I appreciate that coming from you because one of my favorite things when you and I chat is when I ask you, hey, have you seen this guy? And, and you say, no. I mean, I know that at that point, hey, we're doing something right. Because if you haven't seen him, then, you know, that's a feather <laughs> in my cap because you do, like you said, you see a ton of dudes. So, so again, thanks Thanks for coming on. And, and you know, let, let's jump into this, man. I mean, you were raised up in Pittsburgh, California, uh, one of four children. Your brother Nick played soccer at Cal Poly Pomona. Your brother Christopher played baseball at York College. Your sister was a high school soccer player. Uh, and then you eventually went on to play college ball at York as well. I mean, is that really where your competitive kind of fire was bred I, I mean I can only imagine with I have one older brother and one older sister but with two of them and and and, and a sister and you know all four of you guys being athletes I mean that that really had to kind of set the tone for you right oh 100 percent you know my family is we're a very close family we come from an Italian background in a small still town full of you know Italian people so right away we're loud and competitive and everything from playing cards to whatever you name it you know we there's been fights in every part of it and like, like i said i come from a big family with a lot of friends and cousins and you know we were always outside um and that competitive nature that i have comes from that and i think if you were to talk to any of them they they'd probably tell you there's been times where i was too competitive but uh it definitely stems from that my brothers do not like to lose to me although it happens quite often i tell them all the time i'm undefeated <laughs> I can I can I can only imagine what the uh, family monopoly game was like there. <laughs> it was uh, yeah, we didn't play by the rules, that's for sure. They're too complicated. <laughs> nice. So you you played your high school ball at De La Salle, and you know obviously everybody knows De La Salle at least you know back in the day is a, a powerhouse football program, and they still are. But you know the baseball program there really is. You know, certainly in the last decade, decade and a half, has has just kind of elevated itself to kind of match that status. What you know, you guys won. You guys won the NCS your senior year. Um, you know, you were starting a starting middle infielder there at De La Salle. I mean, 
what, what was that experience like for you? So kind of going from that, you know, youth playing against your siblings over, you know, up into a, a le, you know, legitimate big time high school baseball program and having an opportunity to, to play at a high level uh, against high competition. But not only that, having some success there. What, what did that teach you, uh, you know, during your prep years? Uh, it was it was really everything to me, and I'll go back a little bit farther. Um, you know, I was obviously supposed to go to Pittsburgh High School, and um, when I was finishing up in, in middle school, some of my friends were going to to De La Salle, and I decided that at that time I wanted something a little bit better for myself. I wanted a better education, um, and I wanted a better chance to go on and play college baseball. And I think when I was growing up, no, there was not one you know, collegiate baseball player out of Pittsburgh high school at the time. Obviously I had some friends that did it, um, while, while we were in school together, but I wanted to go and challenge myself and it was a little bit against the the norm at the time. Um, but you know, I commuted 45 minutes to Del Sal every day and it was very, very difficult, um, coming from a small town where, you know, there's nothing but rec ball to, you know, one of the most prestigious high school programs, uh, where the best athletes in the Bay area go, you know, kind of like it is now. Um, and I always tell, the coaches at De La Salle this, um, or, you know, my coach was Eric Borba. He coached me uh, my junior and senior year. And I also played for David Jeans, who is the head coach now. Um, so I was very fortunate to play for two of the best high school baseball coaches that walk this earth as far as I'm concerned. Um, but I tell Coach Borba the best teams ever coached were the two years that I was there. Um, we beat any of his teams. Um, and so we get into that. But uh, but to be honest with you, I was the last person to make the the freshman baseball team. Um, and there was two freshman teams, so that tells you where I was at when I, when I got in there. It just it was a whole new world for me. Um, and the only reason why Coach Jeans kept me was because he said I was a nice kid. So, um, you know, I kind of took that opportunity and, and ran with it, and and um, you know, obviously worked very very hard to make the varsity team as a junior and have an impact in that program. And um, like I wanted, I got an opportunity to go on and play college baseball after that. But um, there were some bumps in the road along the way, and it, you know, it wasn't always easy. And that's what you get when you go to a school like that. It, it's not always easy, and you don't always achieve your goals right away. Uh, but that, that experience taught me a lot, having to deal with a, a very high-caliber education um, and having to play with, with the best players in, in the area in, in Northern California. You know, Out of my, the two years I was there, I think I counted six or seven guys that ended up playing professionally, and you know, there are 10 or 12 Division One players that were there. And like you said, we... I won NCS championship and I mean, you name it, that, that group of guys accomplished it. Um, and, and just to be surrounded by guys like Anthony Aliotti, who's now an area, uh, uh, area scout for, for the A's down here in Southern California and Clayton Tanner, who pitched into triple a with the giants. And, you know, those are guys that I grew up playing with and, um, just, it was a special experience, but it was in no means easy. Um, but it, it definitely shaped how I view the game and, and how I view, um, essentially, you know, recruiting now a little bit and, and kind of what I expect from our players is kind of based back off of the way that I was raised and the way that I came up, you know, you'll hear this a lot. I'm, I'm a little bit different than, than a lot of guys. And, and I think that experience really helped me. A lot of those lessons, I mean, obviously you, you know, you look back on life and you say, man, that really taught me this, taught me that. Were any of those lessons, did you kind of come to the realization, hey, this is a learning opportunity while you were in the midst of that? I mean, or is it something where you just grinded for those few years until you got your shot? And then, you know, you look back now and say, man, that really taught me that. Or was that kind of an in the moment learning experience for you? It was, I more had blinders on, I would say. I don't know if I was smart enough to think that far ahead. Um, <laughs> but the one thing I do know is I, I knew that, I had to work harder than everybody else. Um, and I was fortunate enough to have a coach that respected that work ethic, you know, David Jeans and, and Coach Borba, that um, probably gave me opportunities because of the way that I worked and the way that I, um, that I approached things, um, regardless of talent. And so sometimes I think, I think that takes a precedent a little bit, and, and I think that some things are earned through hard work. I just remember every day that I, you know, I'd get dropped off there in the summers. My dad would drop me off in the mornings and pick me up in the afternoons and from work. And um, and every day, Coach Jeans was there. You know, he was there to, to work with me and give me some new drills and things to do. And I'll never forget that about him. And, and because he was a tireless worker, it, it made me want to be a tireless worker, um, and it made the work that I needed to put in just to make the team um, that much more worth it when I did. 
Yeah, so then after after De La Salle, you moved on and you had an opportunity to play a couple of years at York College there. Uh, to tell us about that experience. I mean, you had a, a, a pretty good career there. I mean, a 312 career batting average, you know, a couple of bombs, which I didn't ever <laughs> picture coming from you, uh, four to be exact. But, you know, 19 doubles, 50 RBIs. I mean, that's a you guys won back-to-back MCAC titles. I mean, that, that's a pretty good resume for, you know, a college player there. What was that experience like going from – Northern California to Nebraska to play college baseball. I mean, I think the winners alone might have, you know, scared off half of the kids that showed up. But I mean, talk a little bit about that experience. Then, more importantly, playing, uh, you know, under head coach Nick Harlan. What was that like? First and foremost, Nick Harlan is one of the greatest coaches that walked. And, I, and you'll hear me say this again. I mean, he is an unbelievable leader, an unbelievable person, um, and someone that I aspire to be as, as a coach. You know, especially from a morals and competitive standpoint man i just remember that when it when it got tough and when it got hard he was always such a good leader and he was so poised um and challenging and he challenged me more than anybody because i i I have a very fiery temper and personality and he knew exactly what buttons to push to to get me to play to that to the level that that he thought i could play to and i really respected him for that and he and i still have a really good relationship as well as coach Connolly and coach walt all those coaches that are still there now um, I talk to those guys all the time, but it was very different. You know, I bounced around uh, a couple places before I ended up at York, and and that was um, it was different. NAI, I actually I went out there and and I did a workout for them, and you know I had never been offered a scholarship before in my life, and to go into Coach Harlan's office and have him write up a scholarship offer right there in front of me, it was I, I signed it with no holds barred. It was it was just so great to be wanted by somebody to the point where they're going to help me pay for my education. Um, and, and that was, that was honestly a goal of mine, you know, and that's a goal of a lot of young, young players and recruits nowadays is, is to get a scholarship. Um, but it's not the end all be all, you know, I played my first couple of years without a scholarship at all. And then, you know, the way that my career worked out, I ended up getting one. And I think part of that was because of how I matured. You know, I got a little bit bigger and stronger as I got older. I would call myself a little bit of a late bloomer. Um, but yeah, they, you know, that that part of it was huge for me. And going out there and having to be 1,500 miles away from my family, um, live on my own, um, live in an apartment with guys that I just met, you know, it was just a, a surreal experience. Um, and those coaches made it worth it because they made baseball fun. And obviously we were very, very talented. Um, you know, that team, while I was there, we ended up getting ranking in the top 15 top 10 in offensive categories and we we beat a lot of teams and it was a lot of fun and so to be part of a, a championship culture um i you know i'm a winner i like to win um i don't like to lose I, I i've never really lost and i don't ever plan on doing it from the time i was in high school all the way up through my college career and you know what we were able to do in into my coaching career to this point um and i think that you know, winning isn't a mistake. It doesn't just happen. It's something that you prepare for. It's something that you learn how to do. Um, and it's something that can be taught if you do it right. And the skills that I learned and the ability to win, um, that I learned while I was at York playing under such a great coaching staff. Um, and it's no mistake that coach Harlan's, um, you know, that they're doing a great job out there at central Arkansas. And, you know, he had an extremely good pitching staff this year. I follow his progress really, really closely. Obviously he means so much to me. Um, you know, it's not a mistake that, that they're doing great things over there too. Um, and, and the things that he taught me and that that program taught me, I have brought everywhere that I, that I've been and kind of tried to build off of, um, of what allowed that program to have success in a small town in the middle of nowhere. Um, you know, and it really started with recruiting, which they were very, very aggressive on the recruiting trail and, and building a program and, and instilling uh, hard work and, and everything else that goes into it. So then after you, after your playing days, I mean, at what point, I guess, did you say, hey, coaching is something I want to do? And, and what, what were the conversations? Who were those conversations with? And then share with us a little bit about that transition from player to coach. When I was in school, I just picked a degree. You know, I didn't really have any plans. I just knew I needed to get one. Uh, like a lot of guys, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, and I picked biology, which was really difficult. I don't, you know, I don't know why I did that, but um, I, I didn't want to limit myself. You know, I was a good student, um, and I worked hard in the classroom too. And I didn't want to limit myself. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I know I didn't want to be limited by a college degree. So um, I did that. And then by the time I was done playing, um, you know, I went out and played summer ball when I was done. And I just, 
I finally thought about it and I, and I just realized that baseball was the only thing I ever really loved and I ever really wanted to do with my life and there's no way that I could spend the rest of my life behind a desk or um, not with in some capacity with baseball so I, I went back to my coaches and I asked if there was a way you know I had another year of school left and I asked if there was a way that I could help coach and um, obviously they said yes and they made me the assistant coach on their JV team which uh, let me explain how NAIA works the JV yeah. team was yeah, not as do. good as the varsity the JV team was not as good as the varsity team it was uh, a lot of freshmen and sophomores and um, they just you know they, they're they're trying to make the varsity roster too but but they had a long way to go they're a great group of kids but it was very very frustrating to it was a very good test of my patience. There was no better first job for me, you know, than kind of to get punched in the face by a team that, that didn't know how to win or, you know, didn't really know how to play the game the right way. You know, a lot of them had never really played organized baseball. They were from the Midwest. So um, it was it was very, very difficult. And I wasn't even the head coach. I, they asked me to be the assistant coach. So to be able to take um, – you know, to, to be told what to do from someone who maybe I didn't always believe in or, or maybe had some different plans or theories of what we should do and, and to be able to take direction and learn how to apply it was it was really good for me. I actually really needed it. But I fell in love with coaching that year and I decided that that's what I wanted to do. Um, so while I was during that year, I started sending out emails everywhere trying to get a, a ops job or a volunteer job uh, while I pro- applied for my master's um, I got accepted into the Cal State East Bay MBA program, and I happened to know the coach that had just taken that job. He was a, a high school coach in the Bay Area for a long, long time, so I, I knew him from being in the Bay Area. And His name was Bob Ralston, and, and he is one of the greatest coaches that I ever got the chance to work for, and he's a, a very, very good friend of mine. Um, and has, I mean, one of the best infield coaches that I've ever worked for. He's absolutely outstanding. And he allowed me to be on his staff. And that's really, you know, at the Division II level, level volunteers can recruit. Um, that was at Cal State East Bay. They're in the CCAA, which is one of the best Division II conferences in the country. Um, and he ended up turning Cal State East Bay for the years that he was there into one of the best programs in, in that conference and went to a regional the year after I left. Um, but I was allowed to recruit, which that was my first taste of recruiting. And then he let me, you know, there's a lot of coaches that, that don't, give their assistants the, the freedom to do what they enjoy and do what they're good at. Um, and he was the opposite. He, he let me um, be me. He let me go out and recruit. He let me do everything. Um, and that's where I got my first taste of recruiting, um, you know, trying to recruit against the big D2 monsters um, with all the JCs in the area and trying to get those sneak high school kids that fall through the cracks. Um, so that was really good experience for me, learning how to talk on the phone, learning how to talk to coaches you know learning how to go out and evaluate talent um that was a really good step in the door for me um you know obviously it was at the division two level which is really really good in california um and you know there's players drafted out of the cca every year so that was really my first taste of high level what i would call high level collegiate baseball and i, I knew that's what i wanted to do so you spent a couple years there at cal state east bay and then fall 2013 i mean you get the call up, right? You get the call up to the Division One level with uh, St. Mary's and, and head coach Eric Valenzuela there. What 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 prompted you to say, you know what? I'm going to go from a, a you know an assistant coach at, at the D2 level to you know an ops position at the D1 level. And what was it about Eric Valenzuela that really drew you to that job? Well, I had never met Eric. I never even, honestly, I, I was so young, I had never even heard of him. Um, but there was an administrator at St. Mary's that remembered me from my time there and um, knew that I was coaching um, and knew that I would come for nothing. Um, he, and he called me and asked if I'd be interested in an opportunity for interviewing for that ops position. Um, and I did. And the reason I did was primarily because you know, if you want to coach at the highest level, you need to find a way in, no matter how it comes. I was young enough um, and flexible enough that I was going to do anything um, for that opportunity. You know, I didn't play professionally. I didn't have a very, you know, I didn't play at the Division One level. I played in the Midwest, not even in the Bay Area at that time. So there was nothing behind my name at all. Um, and that wasn't really going to be my one opportunity to 
have a chance to coach Division One baseball. And when I went on my interview with Coach Valenzuela, I was blown away uh, by him and his poise and, and how awesome he is. Um, and I was I was blown away, and and I knew that he was going to do great things and I knew that I wanted to be a part of his staff and I wanted to learn from him. Um, and so I jumped at that opportunity. He was going to allow me to finish my last year of school. Um, so during that time, you know, I was, I was the ops guy. I was also working as a bartender. Um, and I was going to school full time. So it was, uh, it was a pretty intense, um, time in my life. Uh, but you know, towards the, but it ended up being worth it and it worked for me and I took a chance um, on a first time head coach who was really taking a chance on me because there's a lot of guys that, that really wanted that position. Um, and I'm, and I'm really glad that he chose me and gave me that opportunity. So, you know, every day that I get a chance to go to long beach state now and, and wear dirt bags across my chest, I'm thankful for that opportunity that, that coach Valenzuela gave me. Um, and, and I'm extremely loyal to him and I, and I believe in, in him, um, uh, which makes this job so much better. The one well, that I have now. It's it's kind of that old adage, right? It's easy to be loyal to a guy that is loyal to you, right? And and there are, are few few guys out there as loyal as, as Eric Valenzuela. I mean, he's 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 just a, just an awesome person. I mean, to me, like you know, I'm I'm essentially a nobody, and, and every time I talk to him, you know, it's like I, I you know I, I I'm the most important person in the room for him, which is you get that impression from him, and and that really kind of generates that loyalty, right? hundred hundred percent absolutely and it you know he was like that with me um when i was a young ops guy you know and and he and i were able to build a a really good relationship and and i think that you know he actually during that time you know i was in every meeting i was in every recruiting meeting because when i took that first job interview i told him that i want to be a i want to be a division one head coach that's my goal that's my dream that's what i want to do and this is my way in and i want to learn from you and that's still my goal to this day, obviously. And I work, and we as coaches work every day to, uh, for our own careers too, you know. And and um, he wouldn't have hired me if I didn't have those type of goals and aspirations for myself to to be the best coach that I can be to someday be able to run my own program like he did. Um, and that's something that I admire about Coach Valenzuela is he hires coaches that want to be coaches that that want to learn and get better and and aren't going to be satisfied with. Uh, with anything and they're going to strive to make their players better and recruit at, at a high level and, and find ways to help their program win. Um, and so I think that was a huge part of it for me. Um, I wanted to learn from somebody who I felt was, um, very, like you said, very poised, very passionate, very um, down to earth and was going to help me learn how to be the best head coach someday that I can be. So you talk about the recruiting piece and, and you really wanted to get your, your feet wet with the recruiting and you did at Cal State East Bay. You were in on recruiting meetings. How much has, you know, working for, for Eric in particular where you've seen, you know, the level that he recruits at? And I mean, he's done a phenomenal job everywhere he's been throughout his career recruiting. How much do you take from, you know, what he does and kind of incorporate that into the way you go out and recruit players? And and how has that benefited you? Immensely. Um, You know, like like I said, most of what I've learned, not all of what I've learned comes from um, working in his program, working under his tutelage and learning from him. You know, obviously, the more I do it, the more confident I become at it. Um, you know, the more my personality shows with it a little bit, too. And, you know, Coach and I don't always agree on guys. And no one's ever going to agree on everyone. But I value uh, his opinion and his eyes, and he values mine. And I think that's a, a really big deal. And, and I think that I've earned that as well. Um, and we don't get them all right every time, obviously. But the way, you know, when you talk about going out and evaluating and watching players, you talk about organizing a big-time tournament to go and identify and find the players that you need to be looking at, the relationship part of it, building great relationships with high school coaches, travel ball coaches, guys like yourself, um, trying to have as many ears and eyes out there as possible, um, you know, and then what to say when you're on the phone, how to say it, you know, what to say when you're in an office setting with the family, um, how to talk to families, you know, you got to be able to talk to all different types of people from, um, you know, kids and parents and families that we talk to at St. Mary's to kids and parents and families that we talk to at Long Beach State now. And 
I think that my background helps me with that quite a bit. A bit coming from from Pittsburgh, uh, growing up in that you know socioeconomic community, uh, moving on to De La Salle, where I had to learn um, how to how to deal with different types of people there, um, all the way out to York, Nebraska, where the nicest people on earth live. You know, and then and then being back in California, Southern California, doing that type of thing. My, I think my background really helps me identify and speak to a lot of different people. And when you talk about recruiting, especially in today's age with the, you know, we're, we're really recruiting five and six classes at a time from freshman in high school all the way up to junior college kids. You have to be able to identify and, and speak with, at a, you know, at a level to connect with them um, at so many different times, you know. And, and so I think that he has really helped me, you know, with that part of it as well, as well as my background. And I think when you when you put us together as a team and then you add Brian Peters into that now, who has 25 years of Division One coaching experience, is, you know, an exceptional coach and, and recruiter and talker in the way that he presents himself. I mean, he's been on 10,000 podcasts because he is awesome. <laughs> it's not a mistake that people want and value his opinion. You know, when you put us together, we're a really scary group of, of recruiters and developers. And, and that's what our program and that's what Coach Valenzuela has encouraged us to build our program on is recruiting and developing. Those are what that's what we do. That's what we're good at. We, we go out and identify talent and we convince them that Long Beach State is the best place on earth for them to come to school and to play baseball. And that when they're there, we're going to develop them to being champions. We're going to teach them how to be phenomenal students, phenomenal players on and off the field. And teach them how to win and be champions. And that part of it comes from everything else that we've talked about in this podcast as far as my background, my coaching background, my playing background, um, you know, being a champion everywhere that I've been, um, which I'm going to continue to do because I don't believe in losing. Um, and I believe in building strong men. And, and that's why, and that's really why we do this job. And so getting back to the recruiting side of it, you know, a lot of that confidence and that perspective comes from working with a coach like Coach Valenzuela and working with Coach Valenzuela uh, for the amount of time that I, I've gotten the pleasure to um, because it, it's he's awesome, like you said. he He's truly one of a kind. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you brought up Petey because Petey is pretty much a one-of-a-kind individual too. And <laughs> You know, the three of us and Doe had a chance to have some dinner after the Area Code game trials oh, yeah. last summer. And, you know, we're sitting there just, just listening to him talk like the hitting and philosophy and that that all of that I mean it, it I can only imagine that what it's like in your guys's office right because you like you said he's got a quarter century of, of division one baseball experience in the coaching side and and he's mm-hmm. one of the more more well-respected hitting coaches and and just one of the more well-respected coaches I mean you guys relationships uh, we talked about this at dinner we're you know kind of a little bit like big brother little brother and you guys play off each other so incredibly well I mean it's it's there's no animosity there's you know there's some jabbing some poking fun at each other but <laughs> but it, but it, it plays off so well and I can only imagine that when you guys are getting recruits on campus you know you got you, you yourself PD and then eval I mean the combination of the three of you guys it, it's got to make it just a lot of fun to go to work every day right a hundred percent it is and, and, and to be honest with you that's a huge part of what our program is about you know baseball is fun it's a kid's game and we want to make it like that. You know, obviously we're very challenging, very tough on our guys. We expect a lot. But at the same time, it is a fun environment. And we, we spend a lot of time and effort building a fun environment for these guys. So, you know, when they come on their recruiting trips, a lot of times we don't even have to say it. Our players do all the speaking and all the talking for us. You know, we we set the table and, and the, the kids serve the dinner. You know what I mean? It's our players are the ones that really get recruits to want to go there because these kids and these recruits want to be part of something that is, like I said, that where they know they're going to get developed, they're going to be taught at an extremely high level in everything that we do because we expect perfection and we achieve, you know, we, we strive for perfection in everything that we do from base running to offense to D. I mean, you name it, we, we spend so much time working on it and developing it. And yet we do it in a way that is fun and challenging and competitive. And that is an environment that is created in our program. And like I said, that starts at the top with Coach Valenzuela and the type of program that he wants to run and the type of program that that he wants 
to be a part of really. And, and the way we look at it is we played, you know, coach, you know, Brian, he played at, at USF and had a great career and Eric played at ASU and Pepperdine. And, you know, I played out at York and we did all those things. And, and we always ask ourselves, if I was in these guys' shoes, how would I want to be coached? You know, how would I want to be spoken to? How would I want to be pushed and challenged and prodded? Because every single player is different. The, re- the kids that we recruit are different. The players, when they get into our program, are different. And it's our job to be able to communicate with them and teach them. It doesn't matter how much any of us know. It's about how much we can teach so that they understand it. And then even one step further can go on and apply it. And we try and build a culture and build a a situation and a scenario where they're going to want to learn and they're going to want to be a part of it and they're going to have fun while they're doing it. Yeah, and so like how how challenging is that, right? I mean, obviously, you, you being the youngest of the three coaches there uh, on staff. So glad uh, you I mean, said that. Thank you. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll make sure Petey hears that one too. But uh, <laughs> you, you know, I mean, obviously, when when Eval played and when Petey played, you know, there there was a different mindset, right? It, it you could you could ride players, you can grind on players. You know, maybe a little bit when you played as well. But times have changed. So how how is it how has it been from a collective view from your perspective? you know, the adaptability to today's players, right? I mean, there was no Twitter when those guys played. There was no Instagram where, you know, they're putting videos up every day of themselves hitting and, hey, look yeah. at me sort of thing. Um, how how, is, how have you seen those guys adapt to, I guess, uh, maybe the style that you were more familiar with than they are? Well, obviously, you know, Coach Valenzuela and Coach Petey are extremely intelligent um they're very very bright they stay you know we all stay up on social media and everything but we are under you know kind of our our belief is if we can get the kids to trust us and and buy into what we're doing um, and really trust us then you can be challenging to them you know what i mean you can speak to them in a way that they'll understand that it's coming from a place of love and a place of passion and, and not one to belittle them and i think that that's a really fine line and the longer that you're in this coaching profession, and the longer that you are able to work with high-caliber athletes, um, you know, the more you are able to to get to that point. But it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of work um, to earn a player's trust and respect. And that is a big part of what we do. Obviously, you know, we're, we as coaches we're respected by our players, um, but that doesn't happen overnight. And so. You know, like you like you say, there's with Twitter and social media and everything that's out there in in the kind of me craze where everyone is self-involved. It's our job to teach them the right way. Um, And it's not an old school way. It's not this is how it used to be. It's this is the right way to go about doing things. And when we are able to get them to understand and able to get them to believe and trust and be respectful and do all those things, it's going to help them in so much more than baseball. It's going to help them win they're done with their careers and they're applying for jobs, you know, and, and for the first time in their lives, they may have to work for a salary that they don't think is enough. Or, you know, when they have kids um, and they have a wife and things are hard and difficult, you know, these are skills that, that they're going to implement later in life um, that are, that's way more important than anything that they're ever going to accomplish on the baseball field. And so it's our job as much to teach them about baseball is equally as important, if not more important to teach them about all that other stuff that, when they're done with their playing career. And some guys may play 20 years in the big leagues, and some guys may never play again after they put on a dirtbag uniform. But what they do after that, there's so much more life left. And I don't even have all that figured out yet. You know, I'm, I'm a young coach, and I'm, I'm still trying to figure out a lot of that stuff too, um, which I think makes me relatable to a lot of them because I go through and have recently gone through a lot of the struggles that they've gone through. Um, and that's part of the trust factor too is they need to understand that I'm not perfect. And I'm not going to be perfect, but we're going to be in this thing together and we're going to get through this together and we're going to learn and develop. And I'm going to coach you until they don't allow me to coach you anymore. And, and we're going to find ways to get better and win championships. And that's just what it is. And I think that mentality that we approach with really resonates with the players that we recruit. And I think that, you know, re- you get back to recruiting, there's a specific type of player that, that we like to identify and recruit and go after. Um, and you know, it's, it's no mistake that, that a lot of them, they understand what they're getting into when they get into our program. They understand what playing for coach Valenzuela is going to be like after talking to him for 20 minutes. They understand, 
you know, how Coach Petey and I are and what we're about and how we're going to approach them. And I think that we're very transparent about that stuff right away. You know, we don't try and hide behind it. We don't try and we're, we're very honest about it because, you know, I, I, we want kids that want to be a part of what we're doing. We want players that respect what we do and, and want to be coached like that, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, obviously it all starts with recruiting and it's the bloodline of, of any program. And you guys have been, you guys have been just off to a, just a killer start since you guys moved down to Long Beach here. Uh, what is, if you can, you know, give us a kind of a 3000 foot level view of it. Like what, how would you describe the recruiting philosophy uh, for Long Beach State right now, uh, you know, under this current staff? Our, our recruiting philosophy, obviously it's aggressive. Um, we're, we're an aggressive group of coaches. Uh, we believe in our eyes and we believe in our, uh, in our resources and we do, and we trust them. Um, and we do our homework. Um, we re- recruit tough kids, um, kids that play hard, kids that play fast, kids that play with an edge. That that's really one thing that we work really hard to identify. Um, obviously we recruit up the middle of the field. That's just, you know, that's our belief. That's our mantra. You know, you recruit pitchers, shortstops, catchers, and center fielders um, and, and work from there, you know. Obviously, I wrote in my notes here, I wrote re- recruit tough kids. Um, and this may seem simple, but we look for the best player on the field no matter what he looks like. Um, and sometimes you have to watch guys a few times before you can realize that. And sometimes you watch a guy one time, you're like, that that dude is the best player on the field. I, he has to be a part of my program. Um you know, they, they got to do something to catch our eye, whether that be with their athleticism, their intensity, their aggression. You know, they have to do something to catch our eye when we're there. Because like you said, now when you're recruiting five and six classes at a time, you don't necessarily get to spend as much time watching just one class of guys. And right, wrong, or indifferent, that's the, the way of the recruiting world right now. And, you know, if we're not out there being aggressive on young players other schools are and and we believe in our abilities to go out and identify um and be aggressive on the players that we think are going to help us win championships and that we think are going to make our program better um and so when you're at a place like long beach state i mean what more could you want Three thousand fans on friday nights in the black uniforms at, at a historic blair field with the best fan base in the country as far as i'm concerned and you know it's it's just an incredible place and so like you said the 3,000 foot view um, when we go out and and look for players uh, and I say we because you know I may have the the title of the recruiting coordinator but it is a total team effort there isn't a head coach in the country that recruits more than coach Valenzuela and you know coach Peters is a a force to be reckoned with recruiting on the phone all the time Um, so I recruiting coordinator yeah that's a that's a great title but this is a a team effort and and a and a true program everyone down to our you know to, to all the rest of the coaches and our staff that help identify players at camp and um and, and do all those things you know whatever they're allowed to do they do and they help um and so it is a total team effort it, it truly is and, and i think that's another reason why we have so much success uh, or think that we have success is because of the way our head coach works and the precedent that sets uh, in the baseball community, and, and the same thing with Coach Peters, the 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 way that he works, it's just different. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought you know the hard aggressive part up when you're looking at at potential recruits. <clears throat> Excuse me, how much weight or stock do you put into you know? I've seen you out at games and you know well before an hour before the game starts, and you know watching guys warm up and. You know, how much stock do you put into to that, right? Like guys warming up with intent, guys warming up with a purpose and, you know, guys hustling off the field, guys running out to their spots, you know, looking neat, like shirts tucked in, not looking sloppy. You know, how, how much weight do you put into that, you know, if and, and does that weight go player to player or is it on a, you know, by player uh, scenario, meaning that if the kid is obviously the best player on the field, you might be a little more lax on, on those sorts of things, as opposed to if he may not be the best player on the field, you might put more stock into those things. Truthfully, there's a lot of stock that goes into preparation. A hundred percent. There's a reason why why we get out there early. There's a reason why I want to watch them play catch. There's a reason why I want to watch them the way that they prepare. Um, because I, I believe it's a good identifier for success. Um, 
you know, some, some, some kids have been taught better on how to prepare than other kids. And you take that into account too. Um, but like I said, I look for things that catch my eye. And when I go out there and I watch pregame and I see a middle infielder play perfect catch with, with, you know, with good feet and good arm actions and, and great intensity and he's bouncing around and he's pumping up his teammates and, you know, he's hitting lead off or, you know, hitting in the three hole and he, and, and, you know, he's, he's taking his warm up swings with wiffle balls or whatever they're allowed to do. And, you know, he just has great intent. That's usually a good identifier for somebody who can handle, um, the division one rigor, um, and can really step in and, and not be overmatched by what they're asked to do when they get there because they can prepare and they can adjust, um, versus when you go out and you see a kid and maybe he is really talented. Um, and, and he's just, doesn't want to go play catch or, you know, walks on and off the field, doesn't have a good bounce to him, doesn't play with a high energy, you know, for us and the way that we go about things that just usually it, it doesn't portray really well. Um, like I said, there's a specific type of, of kid and performance and energy that, that I look for and we look for um, that really resonates more with who we are as coaches in our program. And that might not be for everybody, and that's okay. Um, but when you talk about preparation and energy and enthusiasm and those type of things, that stuff really matters to us. I want to go out and watch a, a player who is – you know, gonna gonna when his coach lines up to do base running, he's gonna be the first person every time. You know, he's gonna get the best jump. He's gonna be first. Um, you know, he's gonna get pumped up before the game. Doesn't matter if he's who he's playing. It could be the NCS championship or the 20th game of the season. It doesn't matter. He wants to play the game the right way, and he wants to uh, win, and he wants to do it himself. You know, obviously through the scope of the team. But you know, I think you understand what I mean. Um, by, by that component of it. So there is there is a big, at least for me, uh, preparation really sets the tone. And I can really catch my eye when I go out to watch a kid. Like, man, who's that kid? Look at him playing catch out there. Look at those feet work. All right, I got to, who is this kid, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You, we've had that discussion at a field. <laughs> uh, so let's, let, staying on the recruiting piece, you know, how has this whole quarantine piece really affected, impacted, or even changed the way you guys are recruiting? Obviously, you're not out watching games, so you're basing a lot of what you are are, are doing in terms of the recruiting element on what you have seen, your notes, you know, maybe even some video that's getting sent to you. So how, how has it changed the recruiting landscape for you guys? Well, I think what, obviously it's been challenging. Um, we've had to utilize social media quite a bit and our relationships quite a bit. Um, and like I said from from the beginning, those are huge, right? Our, our relationships with coaches, travel ball coaches, high school coaches are really a, a recruiting bloodline for us. Um, so we've, you know, obviously up until this point, you know, we've been able to go out and identify as many kids as we can that we really liked. And when you're in the midst of your season and, and practicing, you you know, you're working really hard to build relationships with these kids, find good times to, to talk to them that work for you and them, you know, and then this quarantine hits and everybody has a lot of time. So I think we just did a good job of utilizing everybody's time to really build relationships, to really get on the phone and talk to them and, and utilize, um, you know, the technology that we have for Long Beach State, you know, hey, go take a virtual tour. I know it's not the same, but right now it's all we got, right? You know, go online, take a virtual tour. You know, here, talk to, let's talk for a while, and then I want you to talk to Coach Peters for a while, and then I want you to talk to Coach Valenzuela. So now you're really getting, um, you're getting to know all three of us instead of sometimes it's just it's just one coach, you know, and sometimes it's tough when I'm talking to a pitcher, um, you know, and I'm the infield coach and I work with the hitters and, you know, Coach Valenzuela is the pitching coach. And, you know, I, I tell kids all the time, hey, I could talk about Coach V until I'm blue in the face about the amount of players he's developed and relationships that he's built and um, unbelievable things that he's done with pitching staffs. But, you know, hey, go read the Division One, the D1 baseball article about him. You know, call him at this time and have a conversation with him. Talk to him about what he does, why he does it, and, and how he can help you. Um, and I think from that avenue, um, just the overall communication part has, has really helped. And then video, you know. The, the longer we've been doing this, the more video that has been out there. So like anything else, you just get better at evaluating a video and, and looking at a swing on a video or looking at an arm action on a video. And, um, you know, I think technology's come a long way. And so we, we've been able to put some more stock in technology as far as, you know, the mix of technology, video, stats, 
coaches that we trust, you know, our own eyes and, and what limited or, or what, how much we've been able to see them. And then you paint this, this picture and if you like it enough, you go on it, you know, and that's just kind of how we as a coaching staff approached it. Like I said, we're going to be aggressive and we're going to, and that's how we are. That's how our guys are when they play. That's how we are in life. Um, that's just, we, we live our lives that way. And, and I've learned that from coach Valenzuela, you know, and like you said, the 3000 foot view is, if enough pieces add up for us, we're going to be aggressive and we're going to we're going to go after it. You know, right, wrong, or indifferent. Yeah, you guys were getting after it on the field this spring too. I mean, you, just off to an incredible start for the Dirtbags this year. And before, obviously, all of this happens, the quarantine and the the season gets canceled. What what's been the most challenging element of that for you personally, and then as a team, you know, collectively? Well, the most challenging aspect of it is I feel like that group of players got shorted a little bit, unfortunately. I, I You know, to, to be able to – that group did a phenomenal job of taking us in as coaches and trusting us and what, you know, we believe how and how coach believes that, pro, you know, the program that we want to run. And, and they really – they really worked, worked their butts off to to put themselves in a position where they can – beat anybody in the country at any point in time um and i felt like we were really just starting to scratch the surface of what those guys are capable of doing um and so for them i feel for them the amount of work that they put in um the amount of time that they spent learning a new system and and doing all these things um was starting to blossom a little bit and and you know like i said that's a they're tough resilient group of guys um and so that's been the hardest part you know obviously we continue to build great relationships with them and you know we're going to move through this pandemic um in the only way that we know how just like everything else probably aggressively um but i feel for those guys and you know the preparation and the work that they put in uh, each and every one of them because to put on that uniform is a is a huge deal and they know that and there's a big tradition to uphold um that they were doing an absolutely phenomenal job of, of upholding. And, and I was really proud of those guys and, and what they were able to accomplish in such a short span. Um, yeah. So we're excited for them. You know, obviously there's nothing they can do about it either. And they know that. Um, but I felt like they got shorted a little bit and that was tough. And, and I mean, in your opinion, Danny, I mean, how, how long, how long will this impact the college game? You know, like, I mean, you hear people saying, oh, this is going to, you know, take three, four, five, six years to get over. You know, the JUCOs are going to get flooded. D1s are going to be flooded. You know, what's your take on that? And do you think that this will lead to changes in the college game, whether it's from a scholarship standpoint, from a third paid assistant standpoint or, or any other view? To answer the first part, I, I do think it's going to affect classes years out. Um, kids are going to stay in your program longer. You're going to have older kids. Um, they're going to be on aid. Um, and it's definitely going to affect classes out. Hunter, it's just you have two freshman classes coming in at one time this year, essentially, um, which that's going to bog down classes moving forward. That's just the numbers. That's how they add up. Um, I think ultimately it is going to affect um, the way the, what the NCAA does with Division One baseball. I think the one-time transfer rule is going to pass, um, which I think that's going to, you know, like it used to be, it's going to change a lot with the way that you recruit and the way that we go about things and um, kind of what your the experience of your of your players and right, wrong, or indifferent. I think that that's I do think that that's going to happen. Um, I'd love it if they obviously if there was some more scholarship money and, and a third paid assistant I think that'd be great for the game but you know there's nothing that I can do about that at, at this point um, I know that the right people are trying very very hard for the right things and I have to believe that you know when when that time comes and they're able to do that that I hope that that happens because there's a lot of young coaches out there and there's a lot of coaches out there that work with no benefits and work with um, limited incomes with families and, and it's a tough career. It really is. And I tell people that want to get into it all the time that there's a lot of sacrifices that have to be made um, to work at this level and to play at this level. And, and I'm thankful every day for the opportunity that I do have. And I try and remember that every time I go out to the field, um, you know, but like everyone else, I worked up from the bottom all the way up. And, and typically if this is in this profession, if you want to do that, that's what you got to do. Coach Valenzuela did it. 
uh, Coach Petey did it. You know, every, everybody has their own story that's unique. But I hope that as the game evolves and NCAA evolves, um, that it evolves in a positive way um, with, with, with those aspects. But this pandemic and with what's currently happening, I think, is going to have an effect on rosters and incoming players for the next three to four years. Absolutely. I don't think there's any way that it doesn't. I think with the limited draft, I think you are going to see some some better players end up at some junior colleges simply because it's a numbers game. Um, and ultimately, you're going to see some better players end up in at, at Division two schools and NAIA schools and um, and, and you know collegiate baseball will take a uh, will trend upwards um, for the next couple of years at the, at the very least. Um, you know, especially depending on what happens with the draft. Yeah, you know, a lot of people talk about the negative ramifications of this, but I think you touched on it there, the trending upwards of college baseball. I mean, it's just going to elevate the game, I think, at every level, right? I mean, Division One's obviously the top of the top. But I think you talk about those Division Twos, those D3s, even like those NAIs, and certainly the JUCOs. I mean, that level of play is going to be elevated. Look, we're spoiled in California. Our JUCOs could, could you know, in, in many cases, beat a lot of Division One teams across the the country but i think the the overall game is going to be elevated because of this so you know looking at kind of that half full view um you know it i think that's one of the positives that could come from this right a hundred percent a hundred percent you know more kids are going to end up getting their degree um the rosters are probably going to be deeper you know especially this next year when depending on how many seniors you were losing you could have 45 guys you could have 35 guys you know it just depends on what each institution wants to do and um so rosters are going to be deeper um weekends are going to be more competitive recruiting is going to be more competitive uh for those those high-end guys and um just like everything else the the trickle-down effect is the jc ball is going to get better um division two nai division three all, all those divisions are going to be more powerful um, you know, simply from the influx of, of what's happening now. So, Danny, I'm a, I'm a, let's give you a hypothetical here. I'm a senior, uh, no prospects for pro ball or, or ball, play baseball beyond playing for the dirtbags. I come to you and say, man, you know what? You guys have taught me a lot. I really want to get into coaching. I want to, I want to, I want to be a division one head baseball coach. What advice are you providing or what advice would you give me as, uh, you know, a player in that situation? Well, first thing I'd tell you is be ready to work. Uh, <laughs> long hours, lots of road trips. Um, I would uh, obviously encourage anybody that has a passion to, to do it. Um, I think it's a it's an awesome career. It's fun, um, but it's difficult to get into. And so I would say. You know, start reaching out now, you know, get use everybody at your disposal to try and help you get your foot in the door um, in, in whatever capacity that you can. And then you have to do a really good job of, of navigating yourself um, and kind of marketing yourself in, 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 in the best way that you can. And you see people doing it all, all over the place in different ways and, um, you know, but you have to be personable. So reach out to coaches, reach out to people, build your network base. Um, obviously going to school helps, you know, I, I think, you know, at least for me when I was going through, like I, I never in a million years ever thought that I would have a chance to coach division one baseball. So I went to get a master's degree so that my resume would stack up anywhere that I went. Um, and that would be advice that I would give to any coach. Uh, cause I feel like I was very fortunate, very lucky to have an opportunity to coach on coach Valenzuela's staff. Um, you know, but there was a chance that that might never have happened for me. And I feel like I, I got very lucky. Um, and there is a lot of luck involved in this profession. Obviously there's, you know, there's only so many positions available at any point in time and it's very difficult, very cutthroat. So, you know, you have to be, um, loyal, you have to navigate it the right way. You have to be a little bit lucky. Um, but the, the more things that you can prepare yourself for, you know, the better, um, I think that there's a lot of different levels of college baseball and, you know, you have to, the hardest part is getting experience, right? Getting experience, recruiting, getting experience, coaching uh, a position or multiple positions or coaching a base, um, obviously coaching offensive players, running an offense, being a pitching coach. Like there's all type of different things that 
tools you could put in your arsenal that are going to help you build up your career. And I think that, um, you know, it's really, really easy to get impatient, you know, and I'm kind of the wrong person to, to almost to talk to about this because I'm so young and I feel like I've been so blessed in my career. Um, but you know, I felt like I was ready to start from the bottom and work my way up. And with every new opportunity, um, you know, you pour your heart and soul into it and, and do the best job that you can. And, I think coaching summer ball and, and these summer ball collegiate leagues are great if you have the opportunity to do that. I know I did that for a summer. Coach Valenzuela did that in the Cape. Um, you know, I think PD did that early in his career. Um, I think that there's a lot of freedom and where you can make mistakes and do those sort of things. Um, so that stuff is is really important. You know, you just have there's a lot of different ways that you can get involved and, and build your coaching resume. Um, you know, going to PBR events, like, you know, not, you, you know what I mean? P events like PBR events and big recruiting events where you can meet other coaches, um, and build your network of coaches. Um, and then obviously, and I'm a firm believer in this is I let my players play and reputation speak for the job that, that I'm capable of doing. Um, I feel like if they go out and they play their hearts out and they play with aggression and confidence, then when people come watch the dirtbags play, they're going to be proud of what's on the field. Just like, like coach Valenzuela says, we're out there to, you know, we're recruiting 18 to 22 year old players to win baseball games. And our jobs are on the line to win baseball games and excuse me, to win baseball games and develop men. And so it doesn't matter what I say, or, you know, what really matters is at the end of the day, what those guys are doing. And I think if you have the right intentions um, behind what you do, your players will speak volumes for themselves. And I think that that's an empowering thing. And that's what I want them to learn. You know, I want them to be aggressive and free. Um, and that's, that's my job. And so as I, you know, approach this coaching thing, that's what I want people to see is what those guys are doing. Yeah. I love, I love that last line. You're one of those last lines you said there, if you have the right intent intentions, your players will speak for themselves. And that's so true on, on every level, right? Not just the collegiate level. I mean, you, you spend a lot of time at games, at high school games and travel ball games. And, you know, even obviously coaching collegiately, uh, you can, you can tell, right. You can, you can see it when the, they're well coached, when the coach has the right intentions and, you know, and the play on the field, you know, mimics that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, there's a lot of really, really, really good coaches out there and, and you can, you, you get a lot of respect for coaches when you go out and you watch their teams and their kids and, and the way that they play. Um, and, and, you know, truthfully, there's a lot that can be learned um, from that. And that's obviously important to us. Yeah, that, that was awesome. Danny, that, that great chat. But before I let you go, uh, you know, we've got a little tradition here when we do podcasts with coaches. We got our, our coaches rapid fire. So it's about 12 questions or so. Uh, this pertains right. to not only you, but your your most recent team. Uh, so if you're ready to, to rapid fire, first answer that comes to mind. Don't <laughs> don't 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 give me none of this both stuff. Don't you know you know don't don't dwell on it. Just just fire off an answer for me. All right, you ready? All right, I'm ready. All right, all right here we go. Del Taco or Taco Bell? Del Taco. Favorite sports team? Oakland A's. Go-to song in the shower. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Favorite stadium you've ever been in. O.Co. Coliseum. Best dancer on the Dirtbags. L.J. Best singer on the Dirtbags. Connor Cox. Mac or PC. Mac. Country or hip hop. Country. Favorite vacation spot. Lake Tahoe. Trackman or Rapsodo? Trackman. <laughs> A little hesitation there. Co college football or the NFL? NFL, Oakland Raiders. Costco or Sam's Club? Costco. Small ball or gorilla ball? Gorilla and small ball. We do it all. <laughs> nice, nice. You're, you're, you're getting both on that one. Yeah, I got. I figured I would. I figured I would. Uh, if because if you didn't say gorilla ball, PD might come after you. <laughs> uh, nice, nice. All right. Well, that that's the hot seat, man. Danny, I can't appreciate. I can't thank you enough, man. I really, really appreciate you. You know, spending the last hour with me, just chatting all things dirtbags, and 
you know, your your background and, and coaching philosophy and recruiting philosophy. It's been awesome, man. I really, really appreciate you doing this. Of course, anytime, man. And, and thank you for our relationship. And obviously, like I said, you know, the job you guys do at, at PBR is, is awesome. And it's an extremely great um, and useful platform for, for these kids. And um, and it is used. And, and um, we're excited that, uh, you know, I'm very excited that I had the opportunity to be um, and speak with you this afternoon. And, you know, if there's anything that you guys ever need from me, I'm always here. Right back at you, Danny. Thanks so much, bud. All right. Thank you, Les. I want to thank Danny Constanza of Dirtbags Baseball for joining me today. Be sure to check out PrepBaseballReport.com for all your news and information. And until next time, we'll see you at the yard.